0: Welcome. You're listening to Living Faith Podcast. in to lead me through the night I want to continue today in the series of messages I began uh, just a few weeks ago. I draw your attention to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 and verse number 38. Perhaps a familiar situation for those who have been around a church for any amount of time. But I read it to you again. Luke 10, 38. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house and she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus feet and heard his word and Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said Lord do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone therefore tell her to help me Verse 41, and Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. The second part of this series, I want to title this message, The Main Attraction. Meals with the Master and the main attraction. Amen. Here's another situation where Jesus accepted a dinner invitation. Jesus accepted a dinner invitation. As explained previously, Jesus did lots of ministry during meals. Jesus attended dinners and he attended banquets he he went to people's homes he accepted many invitations from many different people if we read the gospels and go through matthew mark luke and john we find that jesus ate with jews and gentiles he ate with friends and family and those who were downcast and those who were leaders and rulers He ate with his followers and he ate with those who were his foes. Those that were close to him and those that were perfect strangers. He ate with people who were repentant, but also with those who were defiant. He ate with those of ritually unclean and morally unclean. He dined with people of every sort. Jesus engaged in people's daily lives and he did it through meals. He got personal with people. He got close to people. And all along, he never abandoned his central purpose. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life, that they might have it more abundantly. He said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. But he also declared his practice, not just his purpose. Jesus said, the Son of Man has come eating and drinking. Part of the way that he would minister and extend and bring life and to seek and to save was through dinner with folks, meals with the master. He accepted dinner invitations and extended salvation invitations. Last weekend here at Living Faith, we hosted a Mother's Day brunch. What, what an enjoyable, enjoyable event. Kaylee Yackel organized a variety of aspects. She coordinated with various volunteers. And the brunch was, in my opinion, a fine success. And we should all be thankful to her and all the others that served alongside of her. Of course any great event involves great amounts of work so to plan a brunch like that you think how many people do we estimate will attend and We think about food we think about what's the menu and what dishes are we going to offer and what's the budget for this food and then we need to purchase the food and prepare the food and present the food and then there's the aspects of decor is there going to be a theme and what elements are part of that decor and what's the budget for that and when are we going to set up the space and who's going to help us set up and how many people do we need to help set Set up. And then at the end of the function, you don't just walk away. There's cleaning to be done, chairs to be folded, and tables to be returned, and floors to be vacuumed, and dishes to be washed, and food, excess food. There's always more food at a Pentecostal function. <laughs> then you got to take out the trash when it's all said and done. And I'm, I'm certain that more than this was done in order to host the event we held last weekend. But I wonder today, I ponder this question, our, our work and food and decor, is that everything that a shared dinner is all about? Why do we, why do, we do those things? Why put forth all of that Effort. Why expend all the energy and spend the money? I believe the purpose of such things is people. It's friends, it's guests, people who will accept invitations. People will come and join and share in the meal and share in the experience. For me, people are always the most important element of our congregational gatherings people that i know quite a bit people that i don't know as much and those that i have never met the the uh, gatherings are because of connections and building relationships and having conversations sometimes it's intentional conversations you see someone and say I need to talk to them about and i i remember a situation i want to go talk with them and i had an idea and i want to connect with them but there are also accidental conversations when you sit down, or you bump into somebody, or you're at a serving table, and hey, you like strawberries on your waffles also, And and an accidental conversation turns into enjoyable conversation. It wasn't expected, but encouraging and fulfilling nonetheless. For me, meals are about the people in attendance. The work is worthwhile because of the people like our mother's day brunch some meals have a stated purpose we we share food to celebrate birthdays and weddings and retirements and the like nonprofits host meals so they can cast vision and raise money they have meals for donors and dollars if you will we have meals in our first world environment it's a luxury of being wealthy We have meals in our first-world environment just for the food. The food is the highlight. Delicacies, certain menus, unique recipes for the curious palates. We host dinners where food's the star. We use dinners to express appreciation for those who come. We use dinners as an enticement. You got to have a business meeting. You got to bring all the workers together. Food helps them be happy about the meeting. We use food for those things. We got many reasons to host meals and many items to consider when we do that. Now, while dinner in our day, we might concern ourselves with decor and menus and such. In the Bible, the Gospels are fairly silent on those matters. We don't read a lot about the decor and the table settings. We don't read a lot about what they had for dinner. Those details weren't biblically, aren't biblically significant. If you and I want to find out details about food and dinners and meals and banquets in Jesus' life, we can get little tidbits of information in the New Testament, but we have to look in the Old Testament for guidelines on food for what the Jewish people would eat. And we got to look into historical records for the habits of the Romans and the Greeks of that time and what they did when they had folks over for dinner in the time of Christ. Banquets might be followed by some readings or some poetry for the attendees to enjoy. Perhaps there would be a musical performance after dinner. And maybe it would be a topical discussion where things of the day would be brought about and everyone would share their opinions and their thoughts. And in that way, the food was just a precursor to the focus of the evening. There are some hosts in biblical times that threw dinners just to celebrate themselves come and have dinner i am a great person i'd like to feed you and find out more about me (laughs) those are the kind of things that happened in jesus time the hosts thought themselves the main attraction at time the banquets were about the guests we just want to have folks over And we want them to be able to have a good time talking. We want them to network. We want them to connect with people of various walks and views. And so just gathering people was the focus of the event. In other circumstances, the people who came considered themselves the blessing to the dinner. (laughs) Ah, this is an important dinner because I have come to this dinner. That thought was more than prevalent. Jesus actually taught at a dinner about the humility necessary when you take seats at a banquet. Some people thought more of themselves than they should. Curiously, meals, when they're talked about in the Bible, again, little is mentioned about the menus. I mean, you, you think about that, really that's important because in the Old Testament, The dietary guidelines were very direct and very strict, yet in the New Testament, we don't even talk about it very much. Food was not the main attraction at the meals Jesus attended. What's your point? Well, the Gospels are the story of Jesus Christ. And the meals that we read about in the Gospels are only recorded because they involve Jesus They're documented because Jesus was there. When when Jesus came to dinner, he became the main attraction. Regardless of the host's intention for the dinner or the banquet, regardless of why it was planned and what were the stated outcomes and what we hope to accomplish, regardless of the place settings and the menus, when Jesus went to a dinner when he accepted an invitation he became the main attraction Amen. dinners might have started simply enough for any of the reasons we just talked about but when jesus came those meals took on an entirely different meaning jesus attendance changed the course of a dinner changed the purpose of a dinner If you will, when Jesus sat at the table, the tables were turned on the purpose of that meeting. In fact, if you check out the various times, After he accepted a call to discipleship, Levi said, yes, Jesus, I will follow you. And by the way, how about coming over to my house for dinner? And Jesus accepted that invitation as an honored guest. And at Levi's house, it was filled up with fellow tax collectors like Levi. The Pharisees complained about the tax collectors Jesus is having dinner with. And Jesus turned the tables and said, I've come to call not those who think they are righteous but those who know they are sinners and need to repent that that's not what everyone expected about the dinner it's not what they expected of jesus but he changed the storyline when he came to dinner a pharisee held a dinner and while the dinner's taking place a woman came off of the street she crashed the party And at the party, she begins to wash Jesus' feet with her tears and dry them with her hair. Then she anoints his feet with expensive ointment. All of a sudden, Jesus is the center of attention. And he turns that meal into a personal illustration about forgiveness and appreciation of that forgiveness. 5,000 people are gathered on a hillside. Jesus is teaching and training them all day long. And they're so engaged in his teaching that before they know it, here we are, the end of the day, out in the middle of nowhere, and everybody's hungry. How are we going to eat? No one's got enough money to buy food. There's not enough food to deal with all of the crowd. And so Jesus performs a miracle and breaks loaves and fishes sufficiently and abundantly to feed 5,000 till everybody's full to the brim. All of a sudden, an ordinary day of teaching turns into a meal that's miraculous. And it's about Jesus again. In another instance, there's another Pharisee that invites Jesus to another banquet. And before the dinner even began, Jesus skips over this Jewish tradition of washing in a certain way, in a certain fashion. And then he launches this verbal attack on hypocrisy and changes the course of that meal. And there's another time, another Pharisee. Invites Jesus to another meal. This time it's a Sabbath meal. And this time the Pharisee is a ruler. He's a leader. He's got significant influence. And Jesus turns that dinner into something the ruler couldn't have predicted. Jesus heals a man on the Sabbath at that meal. And he teaches them on true humility. There's another tax collector. Lots of Pharisees and tax collectors liking to have dinner with Jesus. Guy by the name of Pharisees, or excuse me, Zacchaeus, sees Jesus walking along and Calls out to him, Jesus said, I'd like to have dinner at your house. And Zacchaeus says, that would be awesome. Come on over to my house. And before Jesus even gets there, before dinner is even served, it changes the circumstance entirely. And Zacchaeus says, you know what? I'm going to give away half of my wealth and I'm going to refund fourfold anyone I've ever cheated because Jesus changed things. And if your mind's got to thinking about Jesus and food, perhaps it's already entered your thoughts. Jesus' first miracle was at a wedding feast in Cana. Without question, his presence there changed the course of that evening entirely guests should have been properly attentive to the bride and groom and celebrating this marriage and this beginning of a new household but the miracle of christ changing water into wine demanded attention and and the story is told not just because it was a great wedding but because jesus became the main attraction and typical meals became something different, something divine when Jesus came to dinner. Routine expectancies got tossed aside. New revelations got shared because Jesus came to dinner. More than the protocols and the ordinary and the expectancy, Jesus locked in to people. People may have needed correction or they may have needed consoling. They may have needed forgiveness or maybe they needed fish and bread. But Jesus came eating and drinking so he could seek and save the lost. He, he shared meals because he wanted to share life more abundantly. And so when Jesus came to dinner, meals are no longer ordinary. Meals he attended or table-turning events. And so knowing those things, let's return to the dinner I started with in Luke chapter 10. where Jesus has a meal with Mary and Martha. In Luke 10 and 38, the Bible says it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. As Jesus is interested in everyone and Jesus wants to engage with every human being, still he he only enters where he is welcomed. Jesus loves to be a guest But he'll never be an intruder. He comes where he's invited. He attends and looks forward to that invitation. Martha welcomed Jesus into her house. Absolutely the right thing to do. She gives you and I a a clear example. Invite Jesus inside. Extend an invitation. Make him welcome. And as she did so, she set herself up for a transformative meal with Jesus. As he changed the course of so many meals that we just talked about, the same opportunity could happen now at Mary and Martha's house because Martha said, you know what? Jesus, Come on into my place. Let me welcome you into my house. And and Martha started off just right with Jesus. But her follow-through fell short. It missed the mark. In verse 40 of Luke chapter 10, the Bible says, But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. I was thinking back to my childhood a few years ago. And I remember perhaps it was the same with you. I remember the the scenario, neighborhood kids getting together, school kids on the schoolyard, something about the fascination of meeting a genie from a bottle and having three wishes granted. Maybe it's the fairy tales of the day, I, I don't know what it was, but there's something about that perspective, that thought. If you had three wishes. You, you find this magic bottle, you rub the bottle, a genie comes out, and gives you three wishes. What would you wish for? And perhaps you remember like I do, the, the comments of neighborhood kids would vary. I remember times where you would offer your three wishes and someone else would offer their three and you say, you know what, I want to change mine. I like what you wished for. And as you got more mature and you played the game more often and you heard other people say it, you realize, I've been asking for some things that just aren't up to snuff. If I've got three wishes here, I'm going to ask for some bigger things. I'm going to ask for some amazing things. You might start off as a kid saying, I'm going to wish for a great big bag of candy. And another kid says, why would you wish that? Just take a bag out on Halloween. You don't need a genie for that. And then there's always the, the miracle working wish, right? What's your third wish? I want three more wishes. <laughs> oh man, once you heard that, right? Every time you gather with the kids, that's what you want, more wishes. But thinking about what's possible, change an ordinary request to extraordinary request. And Martha was distracted with much serving. She approached Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sisters left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Oh, poor Martha. Stuck on the menus and the recipes and the, the food preparation and presentation, the table setting, the napkins, the silverware, the seat assignments, the dessert options, the cleanup. Much serving. And all the while, Jesus Christ is in her house. Emmanuel, the Prince of Peace, is in her living room, sitting on her couch, drinking her iced tea. But she is distracted, she's entangled. In details, she's immersed in minutia. And after Jesus had accepted her invitation, the Messiah, God with us, Savior of the world, is in the next room. And and of all the possible things she could ask and make of Jesus, Martha acts like a a schoolgirl in tattles. Mary isn't helping. Make her help me with dinner so sad so small so misdirected such A lame wish for a genie in a bottle, if you will. That's all she has to offer. No wonder Jesus diagnosed Martha. Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. Worry prevented her from realizing the divine possibilities that were just within arm's reach. Jesus considered, or rather Martha considered Jesus just Just... A problem solver just a a holy hall monitor that you just go to Jesus to help me finish my chores to make my life a little bit easier is Jesus interested in our personal needs you might ask absolutely it's why we had prayer in the middle of service we ask him to help us we ask him to intervene he creates and does and offers miracles and and involves himself in people But hear me today, when we limit Jesus to just our personal desires, we miss the most necessary thing. When we limit Jesus to just the tiny things that are on my mind with dinner and table settings and the worries that are going on with my ordinary day-to-day life, we hinder the most necessary thing. Oswald Chambers penned, disciples fail because they place their desire for their own holiness above their desire to know God. If the gospel of Jesus is just about bettering me, then inevitably you and I will stop pursuing him when we get happy with our current status. If it's all about fixing problems and he's not good for anything else, then when I don't have problems or I'm not worried about my problems, then I no longer need a problem solver. On the other hand, Mary sees things completely different. And in Luke 10, 39, the Bible says... Martha had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. For Mary, it was, look who is here in my house. Yeah, dinner is nice, but we eat dinner every day of the week. Food's necessary, but it's nothing compared to Jesus. More than Mary's thinking, I don't want to just give Jesus my meatloaf and cherry pie. I want to give Him my undivided Attention as Jesus explained of her, but one thing, verse 42, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Mary chose the one needed. Thing. I, I just want to rattle us a little bit today. I, I want to introduce something to some people today and remind others of the same. Martha considered what she had to offer Jesus, but Mary considered what Jesus had to offer her. For Martha, dinner was about the food, but for Mary, dinner was about the Father. Martha wanted Jesus to listen to her, But Mary wanted to listen to Jesus. Martha expected Jesus to serve her needs. And Mary sat to serve the Christ. Martha welcomed Jesus to her institution. And Mary welcomed Jesus. I want to hear the eternal possibilities that you have for my life. Mary just saw Jesus, and I want to put you into my ordinary life. Excuse me, Martha, but Mary. Mary saw Jesus for what he came to do. He came to give you life and life more abundantly. (laughs) In Martha's ordinary human nature, it was I want to bring the divine down to me. And Mary said I want to step into the divine Mary understood Jesus was the main attraction the primary thing needed the, the most important thing is not help with our many tasks and our many situations and our many chores The primary thing is not calming our significant worries. Rather, the one thing necessary is Jesus being in the presence of a holy God. If you want to limit Him to just doing some nice stuff in your ordinary life, that's up to you. But if you'd like to join me saying, I want to step into the extraordinary. I want to know what life is more abundant. I want to know what Jesus came to do and compel him to draw me into his presence. And I submit that's what Jesus wants most as well. Because in response, Jesus said, Mary has chosen the good part which will not be taken away from her. Martha came Tatland. Jesus did not say, all right, you know what, you're right. Mary, stop this business. Stop your interest in the divine. And get back to the day-to-day. It's not what he did. Jesus would not press Mary into Martha's kitchen. He would not demote Mary to a lesser relationship with himself. No, no, no. Jesus loved Mary's interest. You know how much he loved Mary's interest? Enough to protect it. Mary's primary need, Jesus realized he was there. He was her primary. And he said, I'll keep all thieves from breaking that bond. That good part you've chosen, Mary, will not be taken away. I'm gonna protect this. If you want this relationship, I'll protect this relationship. If you wanna sit at my feet, I'll not just entertain it, I'll keep others from dragging you away. I'll keep others from distracting you. I'll keep others from diminishing what we have. If you'll keep me the main attraction, I'll protect that relationship and we'll grow closer together. We realize the gospel is about being with Jesus, sitting at His feet, listening, learning about Him. Then the well of discovery is deeper than we could ever plummet. You know who gets tired of Jesus? People who run out of problems. You know who loses interest in Jesus? People think that he only came to fix the broken. You know who forever stays intrigued with Christ? Folks who recognize it's about him. We're inspired by conversations with the greatest one of all eternity. It's easy to return to his feet and listen to his stories and his insights. We can remain fascinated with Christ Jesus because of who he is. Yes, the gospel is to seek and to save, but it's also giving life more abundantly. Jesus is the main attraction. I begin this afternoon to invite us with this question have we welcomed Jesus in I don't know where your specific place is in your understanding and receptivity of Jesus Christ I don't know as you're watching online where you stand where you're at perhaps you're aware of him perhaps you've seen him nearby you've heard of him But I encourage each and every one that as you hear of him or know of him or read of him, those are all great places to start. But to really get the ball rolling, we've got to welcome him. Are we ready for dinner? A dinner guest that changes ordinary lives into extraordinary lives. You see, that's the beauty of what Christianity is really all about. I don't need Jesus. My life ain't broken. Yes, yes, we do. Even lives that aren't broken can be made divinely extraordinary. Everybody, everybody needs Jesus. Everybody needs a savior. Everybody needs cleansing. But life more abundantly, that opportunity is a divine opportunity. Only comes through Jesus Christ. Everybody needs that opportunity. Have we welcomed this one who came to give us that more abundant life? Having started on the journey, are we welcoming Jesus into our day-to-day If you'll just join with me right now and perhaps bow your heads or raise your hands, let's just have a conversation with the Lord right now. Jesus, Lord, I want you involved in every aspect of my life. More than having you walk by on occasion, more than hearing some words and reports here and there, rather than just seeing your name in the papers, Lord, I want you in my house. I'm inviting you inside, Lord, in my life, in my day-to-day, in what goes on, Lord, our normal operations. I want you to enter into my life. As Mary welcomed you into her home, Lord, Martha welcomed you into her home, Lord, I'm extending, Lord, that invitation. I desire you. I I look for you. I want you into my life, Lord. I I want you engaged, Lord, in my thinking and in my understanding. I want you engaged, Lord, in the day-to-day, Lord. It's my desire. to have you I welcome you my mind is open to to the work of your your understanding and knowledge my spirit is open to to the work of your spirit I'm making myself available Lord and I invite you Lord to minister in me I invite your spirit Lord to to income inside of me Lord fill me with your spirit that is my desire Lord Certainly welcoming him, asking him for forgiveness, having our faults removed in baptism, being filled with his spirit, getting inside the the vessel of our bodies is, is a tremendous and necessary beginning. And unfortunately, just like Martha, there are those who have a good beginning with Jesus. But the follow-through isn't what it's designed to be. I'm just asking everyone today, hearing my voice, how's the follow-through? Is Jesus our main attraction? See, our main attraction. When the last time that we talked to the Lord and opened ourselves up like Mary at the feet of the Christ? Teach me, Lord. Guide me. Tell me the next steps, Lord. Jesus, inspire me. Remind me again of your victories, Lord. Remind me of your purpose. Encourage me, Lord. Explain your promises to come in my life. I'm here, Lord, to hear from you. I'm here, Lord, to receive from you. I'm here open, oh God, just to know what will you do in my life and how will you minister in me. What do you desire? What do you want? What do you plan? What are you thinking, Lord? As our worship team begins to sing about the presence of God, if you desire to draw into His presence and to step closer and nearer to Him, as many as are comfortable, I ask you to come up out of your pews and walk down an aisle. I ask you to make your way around this front area, and perhaps it would be good today to kneel. It would be good today to know what it's like to be at the feet of Jesus it would be good to have that understanding that physical presence would you step forward today as they begin to sing would you begin to talk to the Lord for a few moments today are there some Marys who want to be at the feet of Jesus are some who will say, Lord, I just want to listen to you. Oh, Lord, there are times when I am worried and there are times when there's a lot of things on my mind. Today, Lord, I press all those things aside and I I just want to be near you. I, I just want to feel your presence. I just want to be near you and close to you. Talk to me again. Speak to me again. My wife and I were both disciples of Christ when, when we met one another and when we walked down the aisle and said, I do. We were already following him. And there were, right at the beginning of our marriage, devotional times she and I both in the word and talking to the Lord kids came into our lives we did our very best to instill and instruct and guide in fact one of the things we did is I I wouldn't give our kids an allowance I figured I don't get free money I have to work for it neither will they but I would pay them to read their bible and Every day of the week that they did their Bible reading, every week I would give them some money based on their investment in the kingdom of God. Somewhere along the way, it wasn't my label. I don't remember if it was one of the girls or if it was my wife. But what lots of folks call devotions or Bible reading or morning or evening prayer, somehow in my house it became known as Jesus time. Jesus time. I love Jesus time on the weekends when we gather like this, but it is not sufficient for me. I need moments every day. Jesus time reading his word, not just to check off the list or make it through the calendar day's chapter assignments, but to allow his word to inspire and direct. In times in prayer, while I'll just ramble on and on about all of my requests and my needs and my desires, But instead, just to tell the Lord how much I love him, I adore him, I appreciate him, and then to sit silently in his presence. Allow him to mold my attitude, allow him to impact my spirit. Jesus' time. God, help us to all have the Mary understanding. To know the one needed thing, the one necessary thing, the highest priority. What he came to do primarily is to engage you and I in our lives and for us to accept his invitation. I welcome him into my home. He welcomes me into his eternity. I don't want to just give him an invitation. I want to accept his. I want to follow his. Amen? Amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Appreciate each and every one of your sincere response to the things of God. You've been listening to the Living Faith Everett podcast series. Tune in next week for the next part of the series. Or join us online at livingfaithministries.church. In the Holy you give me peace